Book Six, Chapter Two of Les Miserables, translated by Isabel F. Hapgood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter Eastman. Les Miserables by Victor Hugo, Book Six, Javert, Chapter Two. How Jean may become Sham. One morning, Monsieur Madeleine was in his study, occupied in arranging in advance some pressing matters connected with the mayor's office, in case he should decide to take the trip to Montfermeil, when he was informed that police inspector Javert was desirous of speaking with him. Madeleine could not refrain from a disagreeable impression on hearing this name. Javert had avoided him more than ever since the affair of the police station, and Monsieur Madeleine had not seen him. Admit him, he said. Javert entered. Monsieur Madeleine had retained his seat near the fire, pen in hand, his eyes fixed on the docket which he was turning over and annotating, and which contained the trials of the Commission on Highways for the infraction of police regulations. He did not disturb himself on Javert's account. He could not help thinking of poor Fantine, and it suited him to be glacial in his manner. Javert bestowed a respectful salute on the mayor, whose back was turned to him. The mayor did not look at him, but went on annotating the stocket. Javert advanced two or three paces into the study, and halted without breaking the silence. If any physiognomist who had been familiar with Javert, and who had made a lengthy study of this savage in the service of civilization, this singular composite of the Roman, the Spartan, the monk, and the corporal, this spy who was incapable of a lie, this unspotted police agent, if any physiognomist had known his secret and long-cherished aversion for Monsieur Madeleine, his conflict with the mayor on the subject of Fantine, and had examined Javert at that moment, he would have said to himself, What has taken place? It was evident to anyone acquainted with that clear, upright, sincere, honest, austere, and ferocious conscience that Javert had but just gone through some great interior struggle. Javert had nothing in his soul which he had not also in his countenance. Like violent people in general, he was subject to abrupt changes of opinion. His physiognomy had never been more peculiar and startling. On entering, he bowed to Monsieur Madeleine with a look in which there was neither rancor, anger, nor distrust. He halted a few paces in the rear of the mayor's armchair, and there he stood, perfectly erect, in an attitude almost of discipline, with the cold, ingenuous roughness of a man who has never been gentle, and who has always been patient. He waited without uttering a word, without making a movement, in genuine humility and tranquil resignation, calm, serious, hat in hand, with eyes cast down, and an expression which was halfway between that of a soldier in the presence of his officer, and a criminal in the presence of his judge, until it should please the mayor to turn around. All the sentiments 
as well as all the memories which one might have attributed to him had disappeared. That face, as impenetrable and simple as granite, no longer bore any trace of anything but a melancholy depression. His whole person breathed lowliness and firmness and an indescribable courageous despondency. At last the mayor laid down his pen and turned half round. Well, what is it? What is the matter, Javert? Javert remained silent for an instant, as though collecting his ideas, then raised his voice with a sort of sad solemnity, which did not, however, preclude simplicity. This is the matter, Monsieur Mayor. A culpable act has been committed. What act? An inferior agent of the authorities has failed in respect and in the gravest manner towards a magistrate. I have come to bring the fact to your attention, as it is my duty to do. Who is the agent? asked Monsieur Madeleine. I, said Javert. You? I. And who is the magistrate who has reason to complain of the agent? You, Monsieur Mayor. Monsieur Madeleine sat erect in his armchair. Javert went on, with a severe air, and his eyes still cast down. Monsieur Mayor, I have come to request you to instigate the authorities to dismiss me. Monsieur Madeleine opened his mouth in amazement. Javert interrupted him. You will say that I might have handed in my resignation, but that does not suffice. Handing in one's resignation is honorable. I have failed in my duty. I ought to be punished. I must be turned out. And after a pause he added, Monsieur Mayor, you were severe with me the other day, and unjustly. Be so to-day with justice. Come now, why? exclaimed Monsieur Madeleine. What nonsense is this? What is the meaning of this? What culpable act have you been guilty of towards me? What have you done to me? What are your wrongs with regard to me? You accuse yourself. You wish to be superseded. Turned out, said Javert. Turned out. So be it, then. That is well. I do not understand. You shall understand, Monsieur Mayor. Javert sighed from the very bottom of his chest, and resumed still coldly and sadly. Monsieur Mayor, six weeks ago, in consequence of the scene over that woman, I was furious, and I informed against you. Informed against me? At the prefecture of police in Paris. Monsieur Madeleine, who was not in the habit of laughing much oftener than Javert himself, burst out laughing now. As a mayor who had encroached on the province of the police? As an ex-convict. The mayor turned livid. Javert, who had not raised his eyes, went on. I thought it was so. I had had an idea for a long time, a resemblance, inquiries which you had caused to be made at Favreau, the strength of your loins, the adventure with old Fauchelevent, your skill in marksmanship, your leg which you drag a little. I hardly know what all. Absurdities! But, at all events, I took you for a certain Jean Valjean. A certain—what did you say the name was? Jean Valjean. 
He was a convict whom I was in the habit of seeing twenty years ago, when I was adjutant guard of convicts at Toulon. On leaving the galleys, this Jean Valjean, as it appears, robbed a bishop. Then he committed another theft, accompanied with violence, on a public highway, on the person of a little Savoyard. He disappeared eight years ago, no one knows how, and he has been sought, I fancied. In short, I did this thing. Wrath impelled me. I denounced you at the prefecture. Monsieur Madeleine, who had taken up the docket again several moments before this, resumed with an air of perfect indifference. And what reply did you receive? That I was mad. Well? Well, they were right. It is lucky that you recognize the fact. I am forced to do so, since the real Jean Valjean has been found. The sheet of paper which Monsieur Madeleine was holding dropped from his hand. He raised his head, gazed fixedly at Javert, and said with his indescribable accent, Ah! Javert continued, This is the way it is, Monsieur Maire. It seems that there was in the neighborhood near Aille-le-Haut-Clochet an old fellow who was called Father Chamathieu. He was a very wretched creature. No one paid any attention to him. No one knows what such people subsist on. Lately, last autumn, Father Chamathieu was arrested for the theft of some cider apples from, uh, well, no matter. A theft had been committed, a wall scaled, branches of trees broken. My Chamathieu was arrested. He still had the branch of apple tree in his hand. The scamp is locked up. Up to this point it was merely an affair of a misdemeanor, but here is where Providence intervened. The jail being in a bad condition, the examining magistrate finds it convenient to transfer Chamathieu to Arras, where the departmental prison is situated. In this prison at Arras there is an ex-convict named Brevet, who is detained for I know not what, and who has been appointed turnkey of the house because of good behavior. Monsieur Maire, no sooner had Chamathieu arrived than Brevet exclaims, Eh, why I know that man! He is a faggot! Take a good look at me, my good man! You are Jean Valjean! Jean Valjean? Who's Jean Valjean? Chamathieu feigns astonishment. Don't play the innocent dodge, says Brevet. You are Jean Valjean. You have been at the galleys of Toulon. It was twenty years ago. We were there together. Chamathieu denies it. Parbleu. You understand. The case is investigated. The thing was well ventilated for me. This is what they discovered. This Chamathieu had been, thirty years ago, a pruner of trees in various localities, notably at Faverol. There all trace of him was lost. A long time afterwards he was seen again in Auvergne, then in Paris, where he is said to have been a wheelwright, and to have had a daughter who was a laundress, but that has not been proved. Now, before going to the galleys for theft, what was Jean Valjean? A pruner of trees. Where? At Faverol. Another fact. This Valjean's Christian name was Jean, and his mother's surname was Mathieu. What more natural to suppose than that, on emerging from the galleys, he should have taken his mother's name for the purpose of concealing himself, and have called himself Jean Mathieu. He goes to Auvergne. The local pronunciation turns Jean into Jean. He is called Jean Mathieu. Our man offers no opposition, and behold him transformed into Jean Mathieu. You follow me, do you not? 
Inquiries were made at Favarol. The family of Jean Valjean is no longer there. It is not known where they have gone. You know that among those classes a family often disappears. Search was made and nothing was found. When such people are not mud, they are dust. And then, as the beginning of the story dates thirty years back, there is no longer anyone at Favarol who knew Jean Valjean. Inquiries were made at Toulon. Besides Brevet, there are only two convicts in existence who have seen Jean Valjean. They are Cochepaille and Chenildieu, and are sentenced for life. They are taken from the galleys and confronted with the pretended Chamathieu. They do not hesitate. He is Jean Valjean for them as well as for Brevet. The same age. He is fifty-four. The same height, the same air, the same man. In short, it is he. It was precisely at this moment that I forwarded my denunciation to the prefecture in Paris. I was told that I had lost my reason and that Jean Valjean is at Arras in the power of the authorities. You can imagine whether this surprised me when I thought that I had that same Jean Valjean here. I write to the examining judge. He sends for me. Chamathieu is conducted to me. Well, interposed Monsieur Madeleine. Javert replied, his face incorruptible and as melancholy as ever. Monsieur Maire, the truth is the truth. I am sorry, but that man is Jean Valjean. I recognized him also. Monsieur Madeleine resumed in a very low voice. You are sure. Javert began to laugh, with that mournful laugh which comes from profound conviction. Oh, sure! He stood there thoughtfully for a moment, mechanically taking pinches of powdered wood for blotting ink from the wooden bowl which stood on the table, and he added, And even now that I have seen the real Jean Valjean, I do not see how I could have thought otherwise. I beg your pardon, Monsieur Maire. Javert, as he addressed these grave and supplicating words to the man who six weeks before had humiliated him in the presence of the whole station-house, and bade him leave the room, Javert, that haughty man, was unconsciously full of simplicity and dignity. Monsieur Madeleine made no other reply to his prayer than the abrupt question, And what does this man say? Ah, indeed, Monsieur Maire, it's a bad business. If he is Jean Valjean, he has his previous conviction against him. To climb a wall, to break a branch, to purloin apples, is a mischievous trick in a child. For a man it is a misdemeanor. For a convict it is a crime. Robbing and housebreaking, it is all there. It is no longer a question of correctional police. It is a matter for the court of assizes. It is no longer a matter of a few days in prison. It is the galleys for life. And then there is the affair with the little Saviard, who will return, I hope. The deuce! There is plenty to dispute in the matter, is there not? Yes, for anyone but Jean Valjean. But Jean Valjean is a sly dog. That is the way I recognized him. Any other man would have felt that things were getting hot for him. He would struggle, he would cry out. The kettle sings before the fire. He would not be Jean Valjean, etc. But he has not the appearance of understanding. He says, I am Chamathieu, and I won't depart from that. 
He has an astonished air. He pretends to be stupid. It is far better. Oh, the rogue is clever. But it makes no difference. The proofs are there. He has been recognized by four persons. The old scamp will be condemned. The case has been taken to the assizes at Arras. I shall go there to give my testimony. I have been summoned. Monsieur Madeleine had turned to his desk again, and taken up his docket, and was turning over the leaves tranquilly, reading and writing by turns like a busy man. He turned to Javert. That will do, Javert. In truth, all these details interest me but little. We are wasting our time, and we have pressing business on hand. Javert, you will betake yourself at once to the house of the woman Boussapier, who sells herbs at the corner of the Rue Saint-Sauve. You will tell her that she must enter her complaint against Carter Pierre Chenelon. The man is a brute who came near crushing this woman and her child. He must be punished. You will then go to Monsieur Charcier, Rue Montre de Champigny. He complained that there is a gutter on the adjoining house which discharges rainwater on his premises and is undermining the foundations of his house. After that, you will verify the infractions of police regulations which have been reported to me in the Rue Guibourg at Widow Doris and Rue Garot Blanc at Madame René Lebos's, and you will prepare documents. But I am giving you a great deal of work. Are you not to be absent? Did you not tell me that you were going to Arras on that matter in a week or ten days? Sooner than that, Monsieur Maire. On what day, then? Why, I thought that I had said to Monsieur Le Maire that the case was to be tried to-morrow, and that I am to set out by diligence to-night. Monsieur Madeleine made an imperceptible movement. And how long will the case last? One day, at the most. The judgment will be pronounced to-morrow evening, at latest. But I shall not wait for the sentence, which is certain. I shall return here as soon as my deposition has been taken. That is well, said Monsieur Madeleine, and he dismissed Javert with a wave of the hand. Javert did not withdraw. Excuse me, Monsieur Maire, said he. What is it now? demanded Monsieur Madeleine. Monsieur Maire, there is still something of which I must remind you. What is it? that I must be dismissed. Monsieur Madeleine rose. Javert, you are a man of honour, and I esteem you. You exaggerate your fault. Moreover, this is an offence which concerns me. Javert, you deserve promotion instead of degradation. I wish you to retain your post. Javert gazed at Monsieur Madeleine with his candid eyes, in whose depths his not very enlightened but pure and rigid conscience seemed visible, and said in a tranquil voice, Monsieur Maire, I cannot grant you that. I repeat, replied Monsieur Madeleine, that the matter concerns me. But Javert, heeding his own thought only, continued, So far as exaggeration is concerned, I am not exaggerating. This is the way I reason. I have suspected you unjustly. That is nothing. It is our right to cherish suspicion, although suspicion directed above ourselves is an abuse. But without proofs, in a fit of rage, with the object of wreaking my vengeance, I have denounced you as a convict. You, a respectable man, a mayor, a magistrate. That is serious, very serious. 
I have insulted authority in your person, I, an agent of the authorities. If one of my subordinates had done what I have done, I should have declared him unworthy of the service and have expelled him. Well, stop, Mr. Mayor. One word more. I have often been severe in the course of my life towards others. That is just. I have done well. Now, if I were not severe towards myself, all the justice that I have done would become injustice. Ought I to spare myself more than others? No. What? I should be good for nothing but to chastise others and not myself. Why, I should be a blackguard. Those who say that blackguard of a Javert would be in the right. Monsieur Mayor, I do not desire that you should treat me kindly. Your kindness roused sufficient bad blood in me when it was directed to others. I want none of it for myself. The kindness which consists in upholding a woman of the town against a citizen, the police agent against the mayor, the man who is down against the man who is up in the world, is what I call false kindness. That is the sort of kindness which disorganizes society. Good God! It is very easy to be kind. The difficulty lies in being just. Come, if you had been what I thought you, I should not have been kind to you, not I. You would have seen. Monsieur Mayor, I must treat myself as I would treat any other man. When I have subdued malefactors, when I have proceeded with vigor against rascals, I have often said to myself, if you flinch, if I ever catch you in a fault, you may rest at your ease. I have flinched. I have caught myself in a fault. So much the worse. Come, discharged, cashiered, expelled. That is well. I have arms. I will till the soil. It makes no difference to me. Monsieur Mayor, the good of the service demands an example. I simply require the discharge of Inspector Javert. All this was uttered in a proud, humble, despairing, yet convinced tone, which lent indescribable grandeur to this singular, honest man. We shall see, said Monsieur Madeleine, and he offered him his hand. Javert recoiled and said in a wild voice, Excuse me, Monsieur Mayor, but this must not be. A mayor does not offer his hand to a police spy. He added between his teeth, A police spy, yes. From the moment when I have misused the police, I am no more than a police spy. Then he bowed profoundly and directed his steps towards the door. There he wheeled round, and with eyes still downcast, Monsieur Mayor, he said, I shall continue to serve until I am superseded. He withdrew. Monsieur Madeleine remained thoughtfully listening to the firm, sure step, which died away on the pavement of the corridor. End of Book Six, Chapter Two Recorded by Peter Eastman